Okie dokie. Ready? All right. Today, we are going to turn to the book of you. Anybody know what that's at? It's not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. <laughs> but it's, been, it's being written every day. Every day, somebody is writing a chapter on you. Right? So. And let's do a little background here. And we're going to turn to Ephesians, the second chapter, and the eighth verse. The book of you. Second chapter, starting with the eighth verse. All right, so we're going to talk about works and words and stuff like that today. But starting with verse 8, we got it right there? For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this, not of, from yourselves, is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Jesus, Christ Jesus, to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace, and that's like unmerited favor, right? So there's, you didn't do anything to get saved except, except Jesus. There was nothing you could do that would have saved you, that would have put your name on the Lamb's Book of Life, other than accept Jesus, right? We all agree with that. But this verse also says you're God's handiwork to do good works. So God didn't really save you for you to just sit there until you died and went to heaven, right? God intends for us to be his hands and feet, to do things that Jesus is not doing anymore, right? He's, he's gone on. We are now his hands and feet. All right? You can't work yourself to heaven. So when we're talking about doing good works and stuff like that, this is not getting you to heaven, right? We're doing this because we have faith in God and we're trying to serve God and do what God wants us to do. Okay? That makes sense. You can't work your way to heaven. So don't worry about working, doing good works and get to heaven. You ain't going to make it. Right? All right, let's turn to James, the second chapter Starting with the 14th verse. James 2, 14. 2, 14. And this is kind of a confusing about faith and works and deeds and stuff like that. So, but we're going we're to get through some of, some of this right here as just a background, right? 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds, and show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith 
by my deeds. So there's kind of a, a, a give and take here, right? You, you can't just have deeds. You must have faith. And that faith must drive you to do these deeds. But again, these deeds are not getting you to heaven. These deeds are because you are a member of Christ's family, of one body, and you are completing these good works, as they say, to make the body of Christ whole, to make it better, to help those people in the body of Christ and the world, really, better off. Okay? All right. Mr. Stump, the book of you. Mr. Stump used to say that the only Bible that some people are going to read is you. How you act, what things you do, and some of the things you say, but I'm, I'm going to talk about actions are a lot more important than, than words here for a second. And that, that's a little confusing, but um, actions do speak volumes over words, right? I think people pay a lot more attention to what you end up doing than the words you actually say, right? So, and this is not downplaying the power of words, right? So let's, let's read Proverbs 18.21. Y'all got that? Yeah. Proverbs 18.21. We heard this before, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So your words are very important. Your words are more important to you and your children and those kind of things. If you, you, you say to your kid, you're never going to amount to anything, yep, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what you're going to do. If, or if you say, all I have you know, is, is bad luck, I'm never going to catch a break, yeah. You're probably going to get exactly that, right? So not downplaying the power of words. I'm just saying your actions, the things you do, and the way you act have more influence on the, what the people write in the book of you, in the book of Bob, in the book of Mike, in the book of William, in the book of Sally, have a lot more there's a lot more written about what you do and how you act than what you actually say, right? But now, the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, that's not true at all, of course, right? Words are very hurtful. And, you know, they cause a lot of ongoing kind of things. So I'm not trying to downplay words here. And a lot of times, the other saying is not what you say, but how you say it. A lot of truth in that. You know, a, a, like a, a good, a, a, a kind response turns away wrath. I'm paraphrasing a little bit there. Or, you know, a good way to explain words and action would be, you know, hey, we had a hurricane last week, and you got some limbs down in your yard. Hey, I'll be around tomorrow to help you pick them up. Okay, I'll be around tomorrow to help you pick them up. Anything wrong with that? Nothing. You know, I'm going to help. I'm going to help out my neighbor here. Right? Tomorrow comes and goes, and you never show up. So, so what was more important there? The words that you said, or the actions that you took? The actions that you took. Right? So, 
Somebody wrote down in your book that, oh, you didn't do so good on that day, right? You said you were coming, you didn't come, right? The part that you said you were coming, not a big deal. The part that you didn't come, that is kind of a big deal, right? And, and a lot of times, you know, we, we, we have a, a gruff response and this, that, and the other, and, and things go on. We have to work on those, right? Because people are evaluating the body of Christ based on us. It's like, you know? Generally, actions are, are louder than words, and people pay them more. So, so I, I always pay attention to the, to the bumper stickers on people's car, but people pay a lot more attention when you cut them off in traffic than they do to the words on your bumper, Christian bumper sticker, right? I mean, they don't, you know, they, they, they pay more attention to what you're doing than what you're professing to be here. And so let's look at some, some Bible heroes, okay? And this is actions instead of words. Actions instead of words. Um, this is a little difficult to explain. You know, some of these other things that I've spoken about, I felt comfortable explaining. I, I'm not sure I'm explaining everything the way I really want to here, but I hope so. I hope so. Let's talk about Abraham. Father of faith. Probably one of the most important Important people in the Bible, period, right? That the promise that we live under today was started with Abraham. Give me one quote from Abraham. Tell me a quote. Tell me something Abraham said that was profound. Can you? No, I can't. I can't think of a quote from Abraham. But, you know, he believed and had the son of promise at 100 years old. He established the line of faith and God's people that we're now a beneficiary of. And remember, if you remember one story about Abraham, I mean, there's a, tons of stories about Abraham, but, but if you remember the story about Abraham, you remember when he and his nephew had so many sheep and goats and whatever that they decided to split up, right? They decided to didn't have enough grass for all these people. So Abraham said, nephew, you pick the land you want, right? Now, if I'd have been the uncle, I'd have probably said, nephew, you move on down the line a little bit. This is mine. But he didn't. He said, take the one you want, Lot. And what did Lot do? Lot took the best piece. And what did Abraham do? He moved on and took the other piece. So it's the way you act and the way you treat other people. Abraham could have refused that. He could have took the best land and threw Lot out. I mean, if you, if you look at Lot, uh, he wasn't a real clever guy. But anyway, uh, Abraham chose to be a good uncle, to be a, a giver, to be uh, a good person is the word. And again, can't think of one quote from Abraham, not one. All right? Now let's jump down. We're going to go through a couple of heroes here. Let's jump down to Joseph. And Joseph, we've, we've gone through Isaac and Jacob. So this is uh, Abraham's great-grandson, right? And you remember his brothers sold him into slavery. And then when he finally got into Egypt, the, this, this woman accused him of making advances, and they threw him in prison unjustly. 
And, and he finally got through all that. Joseph had a lot of reasons to be bitter uh, about his situation in life. But then finally his brothers, the people had thrown him into the hole and, and sold him into slavery. They came there to buy food. Now, he could have had them put to death, put in prison. He could have done whatever he wanted to do. He was second in command to Pharaoh. He could have done whatever it was he wanted to do. But he didn't. He chose to treat those people kindly, right? He sold them the food, or I mean, gave them the wheat, and eventually brought the whole tribe of Israel into Egypt to survive the famine that was going on in the world at that day, right? So again, the lineage that started with Abraham is protected through Joseph as he, was, he is a good person, as he is how he treats others, right? Can we think of a quote from Joseph? No. But we know what he did, and we know how he treated people. And that is a lot of what is written in the book of Bob, right? We don't know what Bob says. Sometimes he rambles on and on. But we know what he does and how he treats people, right? Sometimes I'd like, you know, tear out a few pages there. But anyway, uh, let's jump down to Moses. Moses. Moses then led the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, parted the Red Sea, gave the people the Ten Commandments. I mean, all kinds of things that Moses did, right? Can you quote a quote from Moses? Well, yeah, Psalm 91 and some others. Uh, so we can quote some of what Moses said, but for the most part, if, if somebody said, who is Moses? We would say he's the guy that parted the, the Red Sea, took the people out of Egypt. We think about what he did, not necessarily what he said. He spoke to God. He gave the people the Ten Commandments. His actions are remembered just like ours. A couple more. Joshua. When Joshua took over from Moses, he led the people into the Promised Land. Right? Not easy. I, I, I guess that's still a couple of million Jews, maybe more than that, a couple of million people to move from one place to another, marched around Jericho, fought, fought battle after battle, moved all the people that were in the land off of the land so that the Jewish people could claim the land. Again, what's a quote from Joshua? Other than, for me and my house, we'll follow the Lord, we probably had a loss to quote Joshua as well. David, on to David. Shepherd, killed Goliath, became the king, unified the country. Man after God's own heart. He did write a lot of the Psalms. 23rd Psalm, if, if you said, you know, what, did, what would David do? Well, he wrote 23rd Psalm and he did these other things. But again, we remember his actions and how he treated people more than remember his words. Down the New Testament, Paul wrote most of the New Testament, preached throughout most of the known world at that time, established churches in the known world. He was persecuted, he was beaten, stoned, 
Now, Paul, we can think of lots of quotes, but if you said, who's Paul? We'd probably list out these things that he's done as far as establishing churches, writing the book, you know, that we wouldn't go back to, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, we wouldn't go into those quotes. We would talk about how he, the things he did, how he treated people, how he overcame all these obstacles to serve God. That's what we would, that's what we would um, talk about. Does that make sense so far? Does that make sense? Does that make any sense to anybody? How about William? Make sense to you? How about Stephen? Make sense to you, Stephen? You're not paying attention, Stephen. So don't. Come on. All of these people had these kinds of things in common. First of all, they weren't perfect. None of these people were perfect, right? But when they made mistakes, they, you know, got up, brushed themselves off, and moved on. They had a heart to serve God. They walked, worked tirelessly on the tasks that had been set before them. And I mean, they had major tasks set in front of them, right? I mean, like, move the people out of Egypt, um, you know, kill Goliath, that kind of stuff. I don't know that we have those kind of tasks set before us, but we do have tasks set before us. They stayed faithful to God, and they were consistent. And that's where, when we, we sang the song today, that was Psalm 91, he said, who that dwelleth in the secret place shall abide in the shadow, dwell, abide. That's not, that's not, you don't go by there once in a while to visit, right? You don't go there on vacation. You dwell, you live there. You dwell there. That's where you go every day. That's, that's your house. So, so there's some, like Psalm 91, I mean, it lists all those great things God is going to do for us. But there's some stipulations up in the front about dwelling and abiding. Um, I think we kind of overlook some of those things and we just say, wow, I'm in trouble. Let me see where I can read where it says God's going to do all this stuff for me. It, it, it requires a little bit of dwelling and abiding in this thing, not just showing up when, uh, when it's, when it's uh, convenient. These people never gave up. They never gave in. And they fought the good fight. All, all those people, those heroes that we were re re reading about, all of them had those characteristics. They were consistent. They had a heart to serve God. They took action. They took care of people. They cared about people. So all these Bible heroes, right? And so, so you're saying, you know, this is like the Hall of Fame of the Bible here, right? I mean, you, not, all of, not all of the Hall of Fame, but a good portion of the Hall of Fame, right? And these are the ultimate all-stars, that we're talking about here. So, God didn't call me to do that, right? You think God called you to take um, the, the people out of Egypt and move them into the promised land? No, 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 he didn't do that. But God has called you to do things. Maybe not that earth-changing, but he has called you to do things. And we can kind of overlook that if we want to. We can be complacent. And we can just sit in our seat on Sunday and we can, you know, let time just kind of roll on. 
if we like. I don't think that's God's plan for us. That's not his best plan for us. That could be a plan, but that's not his best plan for us, right? So, whether or not we're doing earth-shaging things, God has given us things to do. And remember, that first verse we read, we said, we're God's handiwork to do good things, to do good works, right? And again, God didn't just save us to let us sit there until we die and then go to heaven. Make sense so far? Okay, good. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 12, verse 27 and 28. Talking about the things we're supposed to be doing now. We gonna get there. All right, let me read. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to read number 27 and number 28. There you go. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. 28. And God has placed in the church, first, all apostles, second, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. So, so we're talking about a lot of uh, spiritual gifts and high offices and all that kind of stuff. Uh, does that fit us? It's some, but how about the gift of helping? Uh, anybody in here that, that thinks that they can't help someone? think that's too far out. Maybe we don't have the gift of miracles, but how about a gift of helping? Think we got that? I think we do. And how about, I'm going to add a couple. How about encouraging people? How about comforting people? How about praying for people? Prayer warriors and that kind of stuff. Can we do that? And I guess the bigger question for, for us to answer to ourselves is, do we do that? So, anyway, Ephesians 4, 11, 13, same kind of thing we talk about, pre preachers and teachers and that kind of stuff. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service. Works of service. So that the body of Christ, remember, everybody's a member of the body, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we, he has given all of that to equip his people for works of service, that the body of Christ may be built up. So there is a job for everyone in the body of Christ. And I'm not, you know, 
if, if you don't have the gift of miracles, okay. You can have the gift of encouragement. You can have the gift of comforting. You can gift, have the gift of help. There are a lot of things you can do. Or you can just be complacent and sit there. Right, so, everyone working together, we are all part of one body with many members. And the whole body is like as weak as the weakest member kind of thing. I mean, that's kind of the way it works. John 13, 34, 35. This is all about writing the book of Bob. John 12, is that, have I got that right? 13, excuse me. And this, this is another job, right? And a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And 35, and by this, everyone will know you are my disciples because you come to church every time the door is open, because you have a bumper sticker on your car, because you don't say curse words as much as everybody else. Uh, no, no, it didn't say that. It says, if you love one another. Because you might disciple because you're perfect. Nope, nope, that doesn't count either. Um, he says, they'll know you are my disciples if you love one another. And, uh, you know, I consider that a job, is loving people. Because we are some unloving creatures. We are just, we are just, we are all about us. Me, me, me. And more me. I want what I want, and I want it now. Period. Right? That's um, that's the natural man, right? I mean, you can see better the natural man in, in like a newborn baby. I mean, they don't care what you're doing. They don't care what time it is. When they hungry, they hungry, and they want it now. Right? It it don't matter what you want. It don't matter what you're doing. You're not standing up, are you, Thomas? Holy moly, holy moly, holy moly, holy moly. Oh, well, we're going to go a little bit beyond here then. It says a new commandment. So here's a job you can do. Love the people. Love the people in the body of Christ. I'm skipping some. All right, so... So let's talk about the, the, uh, the, the selfish part of us, right? So I am a spirit, right? I have a soul, and I live in a body, right? That's pretty, pretty straightforward, right? So when you're saved, the spirit man is renewed. But guess what? Those other two cats are not. That's the battle. That is the battle. And, you, and your soul is your mind your will, and your emotions, right? You still have that will, like, I want to do what I want to do. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do, right? I'm American. I can do whatever I want, right? Uh, no, you can't. You can't, right? And those battles can only be 
solved with God's help, right? Let's, uh, let's talk about fruits of the Spirit. Galatians, um, Galatians 5, 22 through 26. So you can't do this alone. You can't transform, you can't transform the natural man, the, the mind, the will, and the emotions. You can't transform that on your own. If you could, there wouldn't be much need to be saved, right? You'd have been a perfect, you'd have been perfect from the beginning. But you can't control that me, 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 mine, 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 my time, my money, my whatever, my will. The fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance. I think that's the same thing as patience, isn't it? Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Mm, I got plenty of that. And such things as no law. Patience. Have I got plenty of patience? Oh, Lord. Y'all ever been in the checkout line at Walmart? Plenty of patience. Plenty of patience. All right. All right. So, people are reading and writing the book of you every day. All right? So, what you do how you act and how you treat people are the headlines everybody's writing in your book, right? We're not reading the fine print, right? You know, Susie Christian, you know, she's always been nice to me. She invites me to church, seems like a nice lady. But, you know, we had this meeting this morning and, you know, the guy, old Ted from admin, asked her for an extra copy of the handout, and she just went off on him. Why did he need a copy? He didn't need to read it to begin with. All those things. You know, hey, I thought she was a Christian, but I guess she showed her true colors, didn't she? If she's a Christian, I don't want to be one, right? So that's the headline. That's the headline. Now in the fine print, we got Susie Christian. Her husband's working out of town this week, so her three kids, she's got to get them all ready for school for herself. When she got them in the car this morning, the youngest one threw all the Happy Meal to drink everything all over her car. She had to clean it all up, which made her late. Now she's in school bus traffic. The guy, when she finally gets up to let her kids out, the kid in front of them drops his book bag and the papers go everywhere. It must take them 15 minutes to clean that up, right? So she finally makes it to work, skidded in on two wheels. She hands out the handouts, and there's old Ted, who's got really no business, look even in the meeting, but now he complains. And now Susie goes off, right? But to that one lady, she's just writing headlines, right? She don't care about the fine print. She don't care what you're... Hey, there's always fine print. You know, we, we, we rarely do stuff uh, really crazy unless there's something else adding up and catching up and doing those kinds of things. I can't believe it. It's went this long. So, the book of you. Not just me. The book of you. What kind of book is being written? You know? Am I doing my part in the body of Christ? Do I treat everyone like I would treat Jesus? No. Am I studying God's Word to grow in knowledge and understanding? Not as much as I should. Am I developing the fruits of the Spirit in my life? Patience, love. Yes. Am I, am I doing the task set before me? Am I consistent 
in my Christian life? Do I abide? Do I abide in God's Word? Do I dwell there? Am I just visiting on Sunday for about 30 minutes? Whatever. Or do I abide there? If you're not abiding, all this stuff becomes exponentially harder. You have to abide. That's all Bob's opinion, and that's Bob preaching to Bob. So, you know, if y'all can use that, good. And if you can't, you can say, God, I'll be glad when Robbie gets back. <laughs> all right. You know, people are writing a book about you every day. Let's make it a book worth reading, okay? All of us have issues. If you say you don't, you're lying to yourself. But make it a book worth reading. Make, make yourself a, a good and faithful servant carrying out God's wishes for your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you that you loved us and that you gave your son for us. And Father, we, we thank you for giving us the strength to make our, our, the body of Christ better. And Father, that you would inspire us to, to seek more your will for our lives and your will for the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.